Hello everyone and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast where the Commander Clash crew, minus Richard this week who's out traveling, discusses Commander related topics and we have a fun one. Well, I don't know about fun, but a good one. Let's go with good one this week. We are talking about the best counter spells in all of the Commander format. So uh, we did a tier list where we ranked a bunch of them and we distilled that down into a top 10 list. So we're going to count down the top 10 counter spells in Commander. And then after the top 10 list, at the end of the cast, we want to shout out some of our honorable mentions, some of our favorite counter spells, maybe, or sleeper counter spells that didn't quite make the top 10 list. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, though, we got a couple of co-hosts to introduce, starting with Budget Commander, Tomer. How are you this week, Tomer? I'm doing well. I'm always excited to discuss and, and argue about magic cards. So yeah, that's gonna be super fun. it's always always a good time. And we also have counterspell expert Krim, and we need you for this cast, Krim. You know, you know more about counters than uh, than anyone else on the cast. I think. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm fresh back from Fanime, uh, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it was a fun anime convention. That it's sounds so fun. I screamed a lot and lost my voice. <laughs> that sounds like a blast. So before we jump into our list, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you ever get tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them with their curated service. You can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once the order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you want another way to support the show you can head on over to mtdgoldfishmerch.com we got tokens and play mats and t-shirts and all kinds of cool stuff so uh, head on over there as well anyway let's count down the top 10 counter spells in commander and tomer why don't you kick us off with number 10 on our list what comes in at number 10 all right number 10 is still very powerful it's a force spell force of negation one blue blue instant like all counter magic actually um if it's not your turn you may exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost you can either pay three mana or zero mana by exiling a blue card and you get to counter target non-creature spell if that spell is countered this way exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard uh for our ratings uh we gave it i found it i gave it a c seth gave it as b and krim gave it a b so, also our rating, by the way, uh, we go from D, which is like have a specific reason. We generally don't run these cards. C is average. It could be like a mediocre filler card or a budget choice. B is good in only certain, a small percentage of decks. A is really good overall, uh, good in a large percentage of decks. And S is like an auto-include staple. You power down decks by not running it. So, we put this as like an overall uh, a B, B overall. Yeah, B minus. <laughs> Every everything on our list, I think, is going to be B or higher because the yeah. the bad ones didn't make the top ten list. Yeah. Force negation, it's the worst of the playable free counter spells, right? Like when you think about the free counter spells, there's really three I would consider playable, which is force of will, fierce guardianship, force negation. Force negation is the most restricted of the bunch, and also has 
arguably the highest cost. Like, uh, it's similar to Fierce Guardianship, except you also have to exile a card from your hand, which is a pretty big cost if you want to cast it for free. So I think it's a good card. It's pretty good at stopping combos, I guess would be its, like, primary use. Plus, it's in a gate effect, so it only hits non-creature spells, so it's not going to stop your opponent's commander or something that Force of Will would do. So I think Force of Negation... It's fine, but I don't know. It's not really staple level for me. What about you, Krim? How often do you uh, run Force of Will? What do you think about this one? I really don't run Force of Negation all that much because the exact reason you just mentioned. I have to go down a card, and it's also not CDH, so I don't think I necessarily need this. Like, in a format where, like, CDH, I need as many free spells as possible, along with negates being just generally pretty good... In CDH, I, I think that the, this is a way, like, just just way to have a cost for what it does in casual. And I mean that in, like, how much it costs literally and because of the exiling itself. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is definitely not in every list. This is in casual. I'm playing these in, like, what, maybe my Dragonlord Ojutai, like a Voltron deck where I literally have one creature and I need to always be ready to like protect my creature. And I'm and obviously this is this is more of a a the, another thing that is a very real thing that people don't seem to think about with this is because it's automatically a free spell, but it has to be not on your turn. And that's the problem, right? So like even that it's not a great protection spell unless it's like you know your opponent's doing something on their turn. So if they save a swords or plowshares or something like that, and you're attacking, you have to pay for it. So because this is on your uh, not on your turn, it's a pretty big drawback. It's just okay in casual and in very niche decks. Yeah, it's kind of intentionally designed to not be good at protecting your own stuff. Like it, it's designed yeah. to be good at stopping your opponent's like broken stuff, but not really to protect your broken stuff. But sorry, Tomara, go go ahead. That's well, far more fair, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. I, I I totally agree with both of you. Like I don't run this card much. I put it as a C. I would if it were just talking CDH, I put this as an A because just free interaction is so clutch. Like if somebody's casting a nauseum or something or an underworld breach, you just need to stop it or else you lose the game. Um, so if I'm in a blue heavy deck uh, that is CDH, like my name is a Perun deck, I'm going to jam this card without thinking about it. But uh, outside of that, I almost never run this card. You have to discard, you have to exile a blue card from your hand. So you have to be very focused on blue. You have to be either mono blue or two color. Um, so that already cuts down a lot of the decks that it could feature a home in. It doesn't protect any, any of your crucial turns because if you're like trying to combo off or just trying to resolve a really important spell, uh, you're going to have to pay three mana, which is a really bad rate for a counter magic. Um, and it, uh, as Krim said too, like if somebody has like a source of postures for an important card that you want to protect, generally speaking, they're not going to cast swords on their turn. They're going to cast it on your turn if you're like after you choose who you're going to be attacking, for example. So it's not very good protection on your own things. It stops your opponent's broken things very well. It even exiles the card, which is very important. But this, I think this is like a CDH card where it really shines. And outside of that, in casual, there's a handful of decks that I would run. Like Elegith, for example, draw so many cards in mono blue that, sure, I'll run this card just because it's so easy for me to pitch extra blue cards because uh, the card, the deck draws so many cards. Or like a zombie, for example, I would consider this. But outside of I'm, 
I'm glad you mentioned the CDH thing, because uh, it is worth reminding people that we're mostly ranking these based on our play level, which is, like, reasonably powered casual, I guess. Because there's some other spells on here that didn't make our list. Uh, any of the, like, red elemental blast, blue en- elemental blast, mental missteps. Uh, those are cards that, in a CDH power level, are all-stars that you're going to see a lot. But at our power level, they just don't really show up as much. So if something you see a lot in CDH doesn't make our list, it's probably just because we're, we're kind of grading them based on more casual play level. There's also going to be, like, a couple cards on our list that we value very highly in casual, but, like, like a CDH player is going to be frothing yes. at the mouth. I mean, like, how dare you put this in the top ten? So it's just, well, just casual expectations. The good news is, uh, number nine on our list is a card that I think is good in CDH and in casual. And Krim, you're especially high on this one. So what is uh, what is number nine on our counterspell list? I think in blue and white, you play Dovin's Veto. The card is Dovin's Veto. It's just Azorius, can't be countered, and it's a negate. I think that this is just a, like one of like the best counter spells you can have in 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 a counter battle like in a counter war right like you like you can bait out all the counters from your opponent let those resolve and then now use Dovin's veto on the actual threat you were trying to counter or you could just straight up use this on the thing you want to counter if you don't want to try to draw out more counter spells just have just flat out no the only way they can deal with this is if they bounce it off the stack. I mean, so, being, oh, go ahead. Yeah, like that's the. I mean, if you if it's a battle of blue mages, anytime I see that says something that can't be countered, that's already very good. Being uncountable is def- yeah. definitely huge for our for our rankings. I think Krim was highest; he had an A. Tomer was in the middle with a B. I was actually at the low end with a C. Yeah. But uh, Tomer, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, what, what do you think about this one? No, I just had a remark that, like, I love the crim respects the other crim players on yeah. the table so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, like, ready. He's ready for the crim mirrors. Yeah. He was, you got to be ready for the, the, the crim meta, you know? Yeah. He, like, yeah. the one thing about it's the curse of playing my decks and my play style is that you now also have to factor in people that will also match that energy. Yeah. So, but, which is fun. It's fun, right? Like, there's there's an element of, like, oh, well... We're, we're going to have this mind battle. Do you have it? Well, I do, but you can't say no to it because yeah. this card is uncountable. And that's why I love it. <laughs> it so takes, your crim, takes a crim to beat a crim, as they yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. I, I have a question for both of you, though. So I think Dovin's Veto is the best negate because it's uncounterable, assuming you're in the colors. Do you like negates in Commander? I know one thing. I So I don't play nearly as many counters as, like, Krim does. So I have noticed when I put counters in my deck... They pretty much all can counter anything, and if something only says non-creature spell, I actually drop it down quite a bit in my rankings, not because it's bad. Like I said, I think if you only want to counter non-creature spells, Vito is one of the best options, but if I'm only playing like two or three counters in my deck, I really want them all to be flexible enough to stop whatever I want to stop. How do you guys value negates and counters that can't hit anything in Commander? I mean, negates... Like, if it's just flat-out negate, it's pretty funny because, like, I have flat-out just negate at D, unplayable, right? Uh, But, like, that's because the fact here is I'm going to play negate. I want my negates to either A, be free or not interactable. Like, there has to be a reason why I'm playing this negate, right? And in casual, there are just enough things to where you can negate. And 
though this this is like I have it listed as an A, it's anywhere between an A and a high B, low A, high B, because I really like this in a deck where, example, my my Ojutai deck that revolves around just Ojutai, right? Or or maybe my like if I'm playing Spirits and I want to just be able to counter a a a board wipe or something like that and not have anybody back it up. No, you can't swan song it back. You can't do anything. There's just something that there's a lot of power just within the ability to not be able to counter it, which is huge and negates themselves. It's not like there's no shortage of things to hit. If you rely on your threats and your creatures, obviously things like farewell, big sweepers, like an undo inversion or maybe spot removal, whatever it is. The point here is that this is good for that and it's cheap. Right, if this were like three mana, that'd be really bad. But like because it's cheap, this is why I like it. What do you think, Tomer? How do how do you value negates? So I actually run a decent amount of negate effects. I run negate itself because it's like fifteen cents, so I run it in a couple budget brews as just like a you know the third or fourth best counter spell in the deck. Um, but I'm not super high on Dovin's Veto because I guess maybe my metas are a little bit different from Crim's. I mean, I guess, outside of Commander Clash, obviously, uh, I don't run against that many counter magics. So I don't value the can't be countered as highly as Crim does. Um, and so I generally aim for my negates cost one mana. There's a bunch of one mana negates, uh, Swan Song, Spell Pierce, even, that I actually would run more than this and offer you can't refuse. Um, but this is like, it's a fine counter magic. And uh, if you are in a meta that has a lot of counter magic, um, then this is an excellent way of, of making sure that the thing that you don't want to resolve doesn't resolve. So I like it there, but I think it's a little bit more meta specific and it really depends on what you're playing against. I guess that's true. Like if there's no counters in your meta, it's kind of just a harder to cast negate. Like if the can't be countered spell is never going to matter in your play group, then then it's actually not really much different than the gate. So I guess it really does depend. On the other hand, in Commander Clash, when Crim's at the table every week, having a counter that's not going to get countered actually has, like, a lot of value. But you mentioned one-mana negate effects, Nomar. That's a good segue, because number eight on our list, we have a one-mana negate in Swan Song. Swan Song, one blue mana, counter-target instant sorcery or enchantment spell, and the controller of that spell gets a 2-2 bird creature token with flying. Uh, so, Swan Song, rating-wise, Tomer has an A, backing up his uh, I like one man in the gates <laughs> statement. I have it as a B. Krim, a counter you don't really like that much. You're, you're low man on this one, coming in at a C. What a, so why don't you guys battle this one out? Tomer has it in A, Krim has it as a C, fight. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Round starts, I mean, go. <laughs> this hits enchantment, instant, and sorcery, right? Like, so, like, it's, negate actually has more applications. Doesn't get planeswalkers or right. artifacts. Planeswalkers or artifacts. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hit planeswalker artifacts. Or battles. No, battles, <laughs> things like that, right? Wow. Uh, like, that, okay, artifacts are so common in Commander that I, I would almost rather have a spell pierce. And I don't I know I do like the hard counter. I that part is nice. Uh like the bird I is is not even the drawback to me. It's the fact that it leaves out like the the one of the biggest things in commanders that artifacts and of course, yeah, whatever else, but like mostly just artifacts. At that point, that's pretty pretty concerning to me. However, 
for one more mana, I could just counter a non-creature spell. Not to say that Swan Song is bad because the mana efficiency is really nice. Commander also has a lot of enchantments. Uh, countering instant or sorcery, though, like, you know, like, there's tons of ways to do that. Although, this, it, I, I, this is hard because I love the mana efficiency of this, but I hate what it misses. So, I'm much higher on it because I, I really like mana efficiency. Because even if you're not in Drago, like, having having some counter magic accessible to you, even if you're in more of a tap-out deck, is really important. And every single mana counts. Like, free spells are obviously the easiest to cast. But then one mana is way easier to cast than two mana. And two mana is way easier to cast than three mana than if you're not Drago. Um, so, I like, I like it as one mana. And I always, I mostly view like counter magic. The, the main priority is to hit instants and sorceries because those aren't permanents and they can't be interacted with my other removal any other way. Like if somebody plays an artifact, I'll still hopefully have artifact destruction in my deck. Um, even in blue has like ways like uh, Raven form and stuff like that to interact with artifacts. So when permanents are on the battlefield, my deck will still have permanent removal but insulin sorceries are unique in that you can only interact with them in counter magic so when i'm looking at counter magic i look for cheap and it has to hit insulin sorceries because all the things that i'm most afraid of board wipes uh targeted removal to my most important permanent mostly as a protection measure um and stuff that otherwise would win the game that i wouldn't be other uh, able to remove with my removal spell so that's why i really like swan song so much it's one mana and it deals with insulin sorceries which is my main concern yeah, I think I'm mostly on Tomer's side. Like, yeah, it is true that it doesn't hit everything that a negate would hit, but I have also found for me, like, stopping the counter or stopping the wrath is one of the biggest things. Like, a lot of decks are looking for the instants and sorceries. Needing to counter an artifact, it does come up, but I don't think it's like that important to me because a lot of a lot of artifacts are mana rocks and whatnot and i just don't really care about countering them so i also i like swan song quite a bit i think it might be it might be the best one mana counter in casual like did any of the other you mentioned an offer you can't refuse which is similar except it gives two treasures instead of a bird there's fluster storm which has storm but only hits instants and sorceries so uh, and it's pay one or you uh you have to pay one for each copy of it or you can fizzle it spell pierce i actually don't really like because you can pay two to get around it and in the late game a lot of decks are gonna cast the wrath and have the two mana to pay like is this the number one one-mana counter spell for our level of play? I actually think an offer you can't refuse is better. Ooh, so the two treasures is less of a drawback than the bird, you think? Yeah. Well, I, to me, it's not even the bird. I, I, I don't care about the, the bird. flexibility the of hitting any non-creature. Yeah. In the current in the current year, I everything being so potent, I do care that it leaves off artifacts. And you know, the one thing that's the most broken in commander as you've heard my philosophy from uh the school of crim uh artifact decks are always like if there is an artifact deck they're going to be the most busted thing at the table so i i am i am not going to let that slide right like like an artifact deck like i i can't i i want stuff that is flexible and and it just leaving artifact is big enough for me <sighs> I don't like Tomer giving people treasures. To I, the, the treasure's a big town. That's like giving someone a dockside almost for free. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not just firing off an offer you can't refuse on your, like, signet, right? Like, I'm firing it off on either a, like, the one of the big, like, game winners for you. Because it, I just, 
I mean, yeah, that's a game winner. I respect that. So, like, yeah, I can counter that with an offer you can't refuse. Can't do that with Swan Song. So, I, I don't know. I, I think in the current year, with so many things just being powerful, you just – if you're playing a deck that cares about, like, like you know, if you're playing Draw Go, there's just stuff you you can't let resolve. And there's so much stuff. So, the net that I want to have, like, that I can catch stuff with, it needs to be pretty wide. Non-creature already on its own means that it is narrow, right? It is already narrow to me. Anything, and then once you take that, and then once you turn it into only instant sorcery enchantment, that's even more narrow. So I need to make sure that, yeah, like I want to be able to hit everything. And then once we get to, once we get past that, then we start looking at the non-creature counters, right? And that's where I start looking at, you know, fierce guardianship, force negations, and stuff like that. So, and, and yeah, an offer you can't refuse, probably the best one mana counterspell because it hits everything that a one mana counterspell can hit. What do you think, Tomar? What's the, what's the best one mana counterspell for you? Swan Song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's... I'm just not that, I don't know. When I think of artifact decks, like, it seems like a cascading effect usually like there's a lot of like small artifacts and together they work together to be a really strong workhorse engine i don't generally think about like these like must respond artifacts except for like a handful like bowls of citadel you must respond to it aetherflux reservoir you don't have a chance to remove it because they're going to just cast aetherflux reservoir and then activate it usually Unless they actually have to like play it early to gain that life. Actually, they do have to usually do that. They usually have to like cast some stuff with Aether Flux Reservoir, gain a life, and do so you can still interact with it. But yeah, I don't know. It's usually like when I, I, I value the instant sorceries. Yeah, giving treasures is like, I think, worse than giving a bird. Um, but it's not like end of the day. Like if I, if I trade, if I give you two treasures and stop this, uh, the, the worst spell that i didn't want you to resolve i think that's a very good trade and i'll take it every time because like yeah you're up a little bit on mana but what are you gonna do cast the second worst thing like okay fine i'm happy with that because at least i got rid of the, your worst thing um so i think they're very close i think i think uh offer you can't be refused is kind of like underutilized honestly you give it a, a d if we're, we're gonna be talking about it right now you oh, give it a d I, so you're not fan am... of it at all <clears throat> i i really don't like uh, there's so many other options that for me, it's just not worth giving someone two treasures. I'm not intimidated at all by a two-tour bird. It's like a, like a beast. We're playing commander. You got 40 life. A random two-two or three-three is very unlikely to actually swing the game. On the other hand, two mana, that's, I think, pretty powerful. I've just, I have, uh, like, Krim is afraid of artifact decks. I'm afraid of treasures. So I've just seen the mana of treasures do so many busted things that I, I refuse to play an offer you can't refuse. So apparently you can refuse it despite the, what the card name would have you believe, uh, because Wait. I just won't put it in my decks. So I'll play something so, else instead. So two treasures. That's too much. I, I refuse that. Yeah. But then, will you pay the one? You're like, no, no. I refuse. Because you you're can just have all the cards. But two treasures. Yes. Yeah, the exactly. world of Seth. Don't try to make sense of it, Tomer. Don't try. <laughs> we've, been, we've been debating. Oh, you know, I can't counter an artifact. It can't counter an enchantment, whatever. Let's move on to number seven on our list. A counter mm. that can get rid of anything for zero mana. If you're willing to uh, pay the price in life in a card, Tomer, what do we have at number seven? Okay, Force of Will. This is uh, all-star, a multi-format all-star. Three and double blue, so five mana total. Uh, to counter-target spell, 
Or you can cast it for free by exiling a blue card from your hand and losing one life, paying one life. Um, so it counters everything. And unlike Force of Negation, um, it can counter, uh, you can counter creatures and you can, you can use it on your own turn. So if you have a game winning turn that you really need nobody to, to stop your crater hoof or, you know, some or resolving a spell that really must resolve or somebody uh, swords in your Voltron commander on a lethal swing or something like that, this can do all that. But at the same time, it is a heavy cost. You're two for one yourself at the very least. Uh, you have to be heavy blue. Or else you won't have. You, it will be very inconsistent to find another blue card to pitch. But if you can check those boxes, like if you're okay with going down a card and you're heavily in blue, and you really need to have that free interaction, I think Force of Will is the best in terms of Tomer, you just second best. Disregarded the loss of one life. <laughs> well, life is a resource. Unless you're in a tournament, and then you might lose to, to life totals. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think this is good. like it's no fierce, but it's the second best I think. I don't run it very often, but like if I'm heavy blue and I'm in a deck that draws a lot of cards, heck yeah. And again, my my CDH deck obviously runs it too. I think it yeah. like its value is also dependent on what your deck is trying to do. Like if you have really important things you need to resolve, I think it goes up a lot in value. When if you're playing a richer deck that's a bunch of fledgling ospreys and all your cards are essentially the same, like it's not worth two for wanting yourself. But if you can, if I resolve the bolus to Citadel, I win the game. If I resolve this crater hoof, I win the game. I think that's where force is arguably the best. You don't need to have your commander on the battlefield like fierce guardianship. There's no restriction to keep you from doing it during your turn like force of negation. You don't have to have mana up like swan song or a lot of these other counter spells so i i am the highest on this i have it as an a the rest of you have it as a b i think the only downside is you don't have to have a lot of blue cards because five mana is really a lot like even unlike force of negation like three mana is a lot to pay for a negate five mana is just an absurd amount to pay for a counter spell if uh if you are not free casting this so you really got to make sure you can free cast it when you need to but crim what uh, what do you think about force uh, surprisingly, I gave it a B, and that's just because I don't like going down a card. I I think in, in casual, I in commander, when you are fighting three other people, one of the hardest things you can do, and you're already the blue player, and especially when you're assumed to have, like, counter magic, and if you even look remotely like a control deck, people are going to be forcing you to use your cards, right? And if that's the case, you can also be going down a card. That's why, like... Tomer had mentioned, I think this is a very good card in a specific deck. Uh, I think it's better in, like, yeah, a mono blue deck or anything that, like an Azami or a deck that just literally is drowning in cards all the time. I think that's fine. But, it, like, it needs to be a mono blue deck. I, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I think, I like, I I definitely like this more than Force of Negation by a lot. Uh, but it's just, I don't like going down cards. It's it's amazing once you get to like uh like like CDH and stuff, obviously, but like it is just a bit of a thing I just don't like. I just don't like going down cards. It's also why you don't see me playing a lot of force and negation either. It's only in specific decks. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Like when you're using this for a fair purpose and having to go down a card, it's it's pretty uh pretty brutal. When you're stopping someone from winning the game, then it's worth it. But if you're not countering something on that level, then it then it definitely is painful to have to spend two cards to stop a card. 
Exactly. Like, and like, this is good in a deck where, like, you had mentioned you need to push through your win con, right? But I don't know for for like casual commander. I don't think that I need necessarily have a free counterspell. I could just do that. I, I, I think there's just a better way to go about it because in Casual Commander, there's no must-resolve threat because you're just trying to outlast, and you don't outlast if you go down cards. Well, let's move on to the most surprising card, I think, on our entire list. If uh, if we're going to get yelled at in the comments, this is going to be the card that does it. Krim, we have, a, we have a bit of an MDFC at number six. What do we got? So ranking it at B is Tomer, Seth at A, and I've also got it at A, is a Jwari Disruption. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, we just talked a lot about things. Technically, this hits everything. All right? So yeah. that hits that check mark. It's cheap. But most importantly, what does it do? It's also a land. So I think that, yeah, like for those that don't know, Jwari Disruption is just counter-target spell unless its controller pays one. And, and then on the back side, it enters the tapped blue land. And it costs one and a that, blue, so two mana. Yeah. That's that's good enough, because this is the counterspell that I actually think... The, what is the downside? You get a land, or you get a force spike. And I've gotten tons of people with this as a force... Like, in my rogues deck, I I literally got somebody with it over the weekend. So, like, this this is such a fun card, and it's it's pretty much free. I don't see why you wouldn't play it. It doesn't it doesn't it's not like the best counterspell ever. It's not a hard counterspell, but the amount of times people that won't pay around play around the one and 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 when and when it starts getting to the point where someone does, let's play it as a land. For me, I play this in essentially every deck up to three colors i want to say definitely every mono blue yeah. in two color decks once i get to like four or five colors i just don't know if i can afford it as a land so i'm less likely to play it like it's tapped it only makes one color uh, but i think it's actually just a really good card as you said uh, it goes into one of your land slots so either it is letting you cut a land or adding an extra land to your deck both of those are really powerful in commander and you have some bonus, like, psychological damage. Like, getting someone with a force spike is, like, oh, it is the best. Because a person knows it's so incredibly easy to play around. Like, you only got to pay a single mana. So if you get got by it, it's it's way more pay- Like, if you got got by a force of will or whatever, what can I do? Like, there's nothing yeah, I can do. But yeah, when you guess, get yeah, got yeah, by yeah. a Juari disruption, you're like, oh, no, like, I could That's have avoided me. this, and I didn't. Yeah, so I, I guess I deserve it, and I just love that aspect of it. What do you think, Tomer? You're the lowest on it. How often do you play it? It's it's I, I say it's the lowest, but it's also like my favorite. It is my favorite counter spell on this entire list. Like I jam it, and it's it's the one I run almost the most too. Like that and, and uh, number three on our list, and we'll get to eventually. Um, this card makes it in basically all my monocolor and two color decks. It looks kind of jank because it is because like yeah, it is it is really easy to play around, but also it scales it it its power scales drops down like in the midpoint of the game to the end point where people are just going to have too much mana. Uh but I will basically like if I don't need to curve out with like a untapped land, I'm just going to jam Jwari disruption onto the battlefield and I don't really care too much. Like if I need to curve out, I'll just play an untapped uh, I'll just if I if I don't need to curve out, if I, if I just put this as a tap land, whatever. Um, 
But like just having it in my deck, especially if like later on in the game where the yeah, it's not as as powerful, but like I don't need the extra lane drop, I could just hold on to it and sometimes I'll get you on it. Like it's it's just a good card. It's just like it's never been disappointing in my hand. Like, yeah, okay, it's disappointing that you don't get to counter something, but like it's always gonna be either a land drop or a counter spell. And like the flexibility here just makes it so nice and just pleasant to put into all my decks. Like it easily lets me hit my 38 to 40 land count uh, that I like aiming for most of my decks um, and not feel like I'm getting flooded too easily with it. And I don't know. I'm just happy. This is a cool, it's a cool card. Is it the strongest? I, no, but I, I run it uh, so much and it overperforms, honestly. It overperforms. It does. It And it overperforms because it's never dead. It's really never I, dead, yeah. I have a I have a related question. Uh, you have you have twenty mana. You got a I don't know Genesis Wave, a Torment of Hailfire. Your opponent has a, a couple of mana up. Are you going all all twenty, or do you leave a mana up because of effects like this? Like, is it correct to go one less because of Jawari Disruption or Mana Tithe? Like, I I personally don't just because. In the wild, I don't see Dwari Disruption that much. I think yeah. we as a group love it way more. <laughs> so, like, if I'm playing on Commander Clash and I see, like, somebody has a blue and a colorless up, yes, I will play <laughs> around it. But, like, out in the wild, no, not really. And if I get got by it, too, like, that's just a cool moment, right? Like, I think it it's, it, it supplies a good story to the game if somebody gets got by Dwari Disruption. It was, like, a game-winning spell. And I, I've done it before. And it feels so good. It feels so oh, good. Yeah. The huge, yeah, 20-minute Torment of Hailfire and you get them. It is, like, one of the best feelings in, in all of Magic. But let's keep moving on to number five on our list. We have a counter that is kind of specifically good for the Commander format in Tails End. So Tails End, it is two mana, uh, one in a blue. It's an instant, of course. And it says Counter Target Activated Ability, Triggered Ability, or Legendary Spell. So that last one is really the big one. Uh, commander is a format built around legends. You got a legend in your command zone, so this is two mana counter a commander. And plus, we've talked a lot lately about how so many legends are being printed, so this actually hits a lot of creatures these days, and non-creature legends. Rating-wise, we got a two A's from Crim and Tomer. I have it as a B. I think it's fine. I don't play it that much myself personally because I don't put that much value in the stifle effects. Like the counter target wow. activated or triggered ability. We always talk about it, but I can count on one hand the number of times, maybe even less than one hand, maybe one finger, <laughs> the number of times I've actually seen a game of commander where stifling something was relevant. Like, yes, you can get someone's fetch land and just, like, anger them. That is that is something that you could do pretty consistently. But outside of just, like, angering the fetch land guy, how valuable is a stifle effect? Like, is this just counter a legend? Or, like, y'all have it right here today. Like, how often are you stifling something with a with a tail's end? Or is it just counter a legendary spell? I mean, the, the the thing that's nice about it is that it's doing something even after it resolves, right? The spell, like, let's say I draw this after you've casted your commander. Well, there's a strong chance that <laughs> got uh, your fetch like, land. That, like, no, like you can you could shut off an activation, and that's pretty big, right? Like, uh, and then of course it countering like everything wizards makes this like, is now like legendary, right? Every creature's legendary, so. Every year that goes by, this card just gets better and better and becomes less narrow. However, I know I have it at an A, 
I surprisingly never find the room for this card. Because there's so many efficient counter spells, and I'd rather, like, already assuming that I have Dovin's Veto, right? Like, if I have Dovin's Veto, I've got these negate effects. This is technically even more narrow than a Veto. Right? Because it doesn't, it, it only hits Legendaries and Stifles. So, that's kind of, I. it's weird. I actually think I should put this in a B. I, I, it always sounds great when you talk about it. And then when you actually play it, it only counters a commander. And it is actually significantly more narrow than anything else. That, that we, uh, like, Gerard Disruption hits everything. Just saying. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe actually this is going to go down to a B for me. Because this isn't a very specific deck and, like, in a mono blue deck. Maybe, uh, like, those are the decks where I want this card in. So... I break my my rule of counter magic with this one because my like I said I I highly value counter magic that's that's cheap and targets uh, instant sorceries and this one is like mid uh, price because it's two mana instead of one or free and it doesn't hit instant sorceries so why do I like it I like it because I think I've I've gotten so much use out of it and maybe I run it more because I, I'm more of a budget guy and this is like a dollar fifty right now uh, but like. There are so many legendary spells. Um, I, I, even Aftermath, for example, 50 cards, 21 of them were legendary creatures. So just being able to hit everybody's commander is good. But then everybody's 99 is slowly but surely being upgraded with more and more legendary cards. It, it's not just legendary creatures. It's just like important legendary artifacts like Bolsa Citadel or whatever uh, that it suddenly becomes really good targets. Everything's slowly becoming more and more legendary. And I have gotten a lot of use out of the Stifle effect. So the most recent example was somebody either fluxed me for lethal and I stifled it. Easy peasy. I lost recently on Commander Clash, the latest episode, uh, which was Marionette Master uh, because a target's opponent, target opponent loses uh, X amount of life whenever an artifact uh, goes, to the, the battle, uh, goes into the graveyard. Um, I could have, like, if I had Steel's End, I could have stifled that and lived as well. Uh, I think the stifle, like, yeah, it's it's cute to stop somebody's fetch line and stuff. That's generally not the the right call. But I think this card, like like Krim said, it, as as Wizards of the Coast go, leans harder and harder on the commander, and I every single year we're always like, there's no way they could go even harder on the commander. But then every single year they do. Um, by this point, we're like 80% of all creatures and all artifacts and all enchantments and, and stuff are all going to be legendary. This card is just going to be like a straight up, just like a two mana counter spell with a stifle attached to it. Like, just give it another year, especially if they bring back like legendary instants and sorceries. Like, they did that in Dominaria. There's a handful that like see play in legendary decks. It's only a matter of time they're going to bring that back. And as soon as they bring more staples that are legendary instances of sorceries, like board wipes and whatnot, like this card, the stonks just keep going up. So this is like a card, like maybe it's maybe it's too narrow right now, but like pick up a copy just because this is going to keep going better. I, I I think this card is like the, the card that's going to see more and more play as, as the format continues to grow. I definitely agree that this card just keeps getting better. Like, that's for sure. There's <laughs> the Lord of the Rings set is uh, in spoiler season, and Mark Rosewater did his teaser. And even just that, like, 
just reading the teaser, it's so much about legends. Like, there's a decent size legendary matters theme. Five different card types get the legendary super type. If they start adding the super type to like even more, like making more things legends, the better this card gets. So I certainly agree it gets better. I still, I don't buy the the stifle logic that much. Like, so many times the thing that you get with the stifle is something that if you had an actual counter spell, you would have just stopped the Aetherflux Reservoir from actually resolving instead of trying to stop the trigger for one turn or whatever. So I feel like a lot of the times when people think they're getting value out of Stifle, it's actually, like, just worse than if they played a real counter spell. But countering a legend is is pretty good these days and keeps getting better so i i i beseech you seth to play tales and a little bit more because you you love jewelry deception for the same reason that i do because there's nothing better than getting somebody with it i swear to you there's nothing better than stifling somebody's like critical must win thing like somebody dock size and you just stifle it oh the, yes. the problem is the problem is oracles and you stifle it and they're like oh well my great my, my library is like I guess I lose the <laughs> problem is I know I'm not going to be able to resist just firing it off on the first fetch land when I got my mana up just just to do it like Maybe there's no I'm why. holding it for the Thassa's oracle I'm just like boom like sinkhole you <laughs> go Maybe that's why <laughs> you don't value a stifle like I I do think a stifle is definitely respectable like and I think worth it like but that's where I start looking at things like Nimble Obstructionist. But, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Seth, though. Like, I, there's a reason why this just doesn't ever make my final lists. Because it's, it's always, all right, well, I drop it and I just play something else. I play a better counter spell. I play one that counters anything. Or I play a removal spell. So, maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I think this is like a B. A very specific style of deck. Or if your deck is like a stifle-themed deck. But A, I was a bit <laughs> ambitious there. So that one's going back down to B what's, for me. I, I, can, best, I can see it what, as a B. What's might the go best down stifle commander? A stifle. Yeah, now I'm trying to imagine what a stifle-themed deck would be. Now I, I kind of want to build that. Just all yeah, the stifles like, <laughs> and just like fire them off on any possible There's like <laughs> Void Husher or something. <laughs> a ETB, like a flash ETB. <laughs> Uh, stifles, and it can go back to your hand whenever you cast a spell. Yes. Oh, the mage. Mm. Mm. It's like yeah, void mage, hus mage, something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, hush. that's yeah. Yeah. Whenever you play a spell, I mean, you may the best commander would be Venser, right? Like, yeah. like it would be Venser. Yeah. Be oh, that sounds so obnoxious to play against. But let's move yeah. on to number four on our list. We have. Ooh, our only non-blue counter spell on the list, and I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited. It's Tomer's turn. Tomer, I assume that you are a big uh, a big fan of this card. Uh, what uh, what are we talking about at number four? <laughs> uh, we're adding a little bit of red chaos to, to the mix, but a little bit in little uh, amounts with Tybalt's Trickery. This is one in a red, so two mana. Uh, it says counter target spell. Then you choose one, two, or three at random. Usually somebody like rolls a dice or something. Um, its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost, then they put the exile cards on the bottom of their library in a random order. So this is a hard counter spell in red, which is incredibly unique. It's like one of the very few examples of just straight up no no extra hoops to go through counter target spell in red for two mana which is a, a solid rate 
the downside is your opponent that you counter is always going to get another spell out of it. There is an element of randomness, though, because it's not like the top spell in their library. It's not even like the top one, two, or three. Like Some amount's going to be exiled, but they're going to get something out of it. But the idea with this card, and the reason why I think we rate it so highly, is, first of all, it's a red counter spell, which is, I think in red, it's, if it was in blue, I don't think it would make the list, right? Like, it wouldn't make the list if it was just like a mono blue card. But because it's in red, and there's so few options in that, it, the, the stonks go way up. For So we're talking about red cards here. And the other thing is that you're basically trading a card that you really didn't want them to resolve for a card, for any other card basically it could it could hypothetically be an even worse spell but chances are if you spent the mana and the card to counter something that thing whatever the thing you 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 cascade into or whatever is going to be worse um just nine times out of ten that's what makes tibble's triggery so good i hate it because i'm always going to hit the better card because <laughs> that's my luck in life that's the same with chaos warp that's just how magic the gathering <laughs> gods smile upon me but i can acknowledge that this is just a very good card that is like exceptionally good in red but what yeah, do you guys it's it's chaos warp the counter spell edition essentially and I <clears throat> I play this card in every red deck. Uh, like you said, if it was a blue card, it wouldn't be a good card. So if you're playing blue, it's not a good card. If you have access to, to counters that are not going to give your opponent something. But just like Chaos Warp, sure, uh, it's painful that you have to give your opponent something back to remove their thing. But if you're playing a red deck that can't deal with enchantments or can't deal with artifacts, having the option to do that makes it worth the risk. And that's where I'm at with Tavalt's Trickery. I play this in every mono red deck. And I I think it is very much worth it. You do want to be aware of what you're firing off on, of course. Like, you don't want to use it to counter some middling thing early in the game because it could be disastrous. But if you're using it to stop your opponent's best spell, kind of like you said with an offer you can't refuse, I'm using it to stop my opponent's best spell. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Even if they somehow get incredibly lucky and spin into their second best spell, well, I still technically came out somewhat ahead compared to having their best spell resolve. So considering Red just doesn't get stack interaction on this level, I think it's it's totally worth it because of its uniqueness. But what about you, Krim? Where are you at with this one? Funny enough, this card is sweet in that, like, also if somebody tries to counter your... Let's say I dove and veto your spell... You could then cast this on your own spell so that at least you get something out of it. It's yes. like, then you get to try yeah, to like do the fancy, right? Like, yeah. you get to do the fancy. This this card is fun. This is also just a really funny counter spell that's pure chaos. So naturally, I would love it. But like, I think this, this card is just, it's what, it, like, people aren't going to play around it in red, right? They're not, like, most times people don't think about the counter spell coming out of the red deck. They joke about it. Everybody jokes about it. But even even if you acknowledge its existence, you still don't play around. And that really does lead to some lines where this card will just straight up blow out the person, right? Like, we're talking like they, they okay, well, this is my one of win condition that I've been waiting to deploy. This is my ace. And they're not going to think about it because you're in red. So you get to get them. And that on its own is good. 
It like kind of like Manitithe, which didn't make our top 10 list, but the same sort of way that like people don't play around a counter if you're a mono white deck because they just don't expect it. People aren't going to yeah. play around Tibalt's Trickery because they don't associate red with counters. If you're playing a blue deck, they're going to definitely keep in mind the possibility of counters, but that makes it even more valuable for sure. So yeah, if you're, if you're playing a mono red deck, play Tibalt's Trickery. Let's move on to number three on our list, Crim. I think uh, you're up with this one, and that's probably good because I know uh, I know you're very high. I think the highest on this card out of all of us. What do we got at number three? It's Arcane Denial. Counter target spell, and then, of course, if uh, at the beginning... Okay, hold on. At the beginning of the next upkeep, the controller of the spell draws two, and then you draw one. This is an S. I think this is probably the first s we've talked about actually um because if it people play counter spells why why do you literally play counter spell like the literal card counter spell this card is easier to cast it draws you a card you you don't care if you draw your opponent cards because you've now countered their best card and it's potentially a way for you to politics so that you don't uh like so like maybe the person doesn't get upset because you gave them cards it's the illusion that they got, like, they still get to draw cards, and then that on its own makes it not feel as bad, right? So they won't, the, the, you won't draw their ire. On top of that, the biggest thing is that you yourself replace the card. That's what I care about, because I'm, put, I'm putting it, essentially, a game of chicken, that whatever two cards you drew aren't going to be better than what I'm countering. And on top of that, if I'm refilling my cards, I'm now able to continue to be more annoying and do more nonsense stuff. And it, since you're drawing two on the next upkeep, that's way different because that's not your turn. So that means you've got to wait a full cycle to do that all over. And then that gives me a full cycle to untap and prepare for you. So I love that. I love this. And it's good in every kind of deck. It's good in aggro. It's good in like because it's a way for you to protect your board, refill your hand. It's good in control. Draw go. Like it, it goes in anything because it's so easy to cast. This is our most controversial one too because Seth gave it or uh, Krim gave it an <coughs> S. I gave it an A, so I'm very high on it too. But Seth is like incredibly low on it with a C. So we have the rating between S and C from the highest to lowest. So Seth, what? Why to do you me, hate those cards so much? To me, the math just doesn't check out. If you think about, if you think about resolving this card, so your opponent casts a spell. You are King Denial it. Uh, you're both negative one cards, essentially. So if you use a, a counter spell, literal counter spell to stop something, you're down a card, your opponent's down a card. If you use Arcane Denial to stop something, you spend your Arcane Denial and draw back one card. So you're card neutral. Your opponent gets their spell countered, but then they draw two cards. So they're technically plus one card. Like the math but doesn't check I'm, out. Like, I'm so why glad. wouldn't you just, you're, you, why wouldn't you use an actual I'm, counter yeah, spell? I'm so, I'm so glad you, you brought that you, up. You're thinking of it in 1v1 terms yes. where card advantage matters, right? Like Ooh. in 1v1, card well, advantage then matters whoa, whoa, a lot, whoa. right? But, <clears throat> but uh, that's why I never paid the one on the Rick Stick study. That's not, card what I, advantage that's not what I would matter. say. That's all I would say. Okay, the so. quality of cards that you draw is what matters, right? And if you counter the highest quality thing, and if you know your deck is a control deck and you're all answers... 
I'm okay with like like I'm okay but, with this. No, but my comparison no, no, no. is to like a literal counter spell. Like no, no. in that con. Sure. Okay, go ahead, Tomer. Let me hear no, your no, no, argument. No. It, it's it's card advantage. It is actually card advantage because I, I agree with Krim. It's it's very different from a one v one because in one v one counter spell is I trade my counter spell for your spell. So it's a it's a one for one. Arcane denial in one v one is a two for one for your opponents because your opponents. Uh, you trade your Arcane Denial for their spell, so it's one for one, but then your opponent goes up two cards, and you go up one card, so net, they're going up one card compared to you, which is bad in 1v1. However, we have in Commander two more opponents. So again, let's do the, the math again. If we're doing a counter spell for your spell, me and you go down one, but our opponents go down zero. So we're both down, uh, we're, I'm down, uh, one card, uh, or I'm down even on you. I'm even on you, but I'm down two cards relative to, uh, the rest of the, the entire rest of the table. Arcane Denial, though, I'm down one card instead of two cards because my opponent got two cards. I got back one card and my two opponents who weren't in the, in this thing, it got uh, are still netting zero. So if so, if you if you look at it in a four player game, relative to the rest of the table, arcane denial is you're down one card as opposed to counter spell a one for one, which you're actually down uh, negative two because you have to factor in the other two opponents. If that makes sense, I don't know if I explained it properly. I but I, I think I see math. what you're saying, but wouldn't it be like so you arcane denial? You yes. you essentially end up at zero, right? You spend a card, but you get that card back, so you're you're card yes. neutral. Your card. Neutral. You have two other opponents that are at zero because they weren't even involved in the card uh, counter battle, mm-hmm. and then you have another opponent that's plus one. Isn't that mm-hmm. still bad math for you? Zero 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 plus one. Isn't that good for the person you countered because they're plus one and everyone else is at zero? They benefit the most, but you all go down the least compared to a counter spell. So compared so they, to Counterspell, you would be negative one, one opponent would be negative one, and the other two are at zero. So yes. I guess I can I guess that because makes sense. I can I what, can what, see I can see that argument. Like this, Seth. You and I, we always mm-hmm. duke it out right on the pod, and then Richard comes in out of nowhere and wins. Why? Because we've used all of our resources on each other. <laughs> and okay. Richard's done nothing. Right, so he's quietly benefited from the fact that a I've answered your stuff, or you know, vice versa. Right, we go back and forth. That's why, though, right? And this card get helps us get around that because though Richard has chosen, I think, because I think you could think of it as like Richard didn't spend any cards, but realistically, us going down cards is bad, right, against the two other people. So yeah, the two, that's the why two bystanders benefit yeah. from the counter spell or the removal spell or whatever, mm-hmm. right? All well, I've guess, done okay. is help the two other players, right? I, yeah. Maybe maybe a C maybe a C's too harsh. I can see I, I can't get behind that the S logic because you're still like giving uh, the benefit to your the person who you're countering. But are like, you but are you really benefit are they really benefiting that much if like A, they play their their Ether Flux Reservoir, right? You just countered that. That is whatever whatever win con they have. You countered their best win condition. Not only that, now they're going to draw two cards, but in, in the game of Commander, they can draw whatever. It doesn't matter because you're assuming that the card quality in your deck is far greater than the far card quality of the opposing deck. And, like, because if your deck is all answers and all of that, then that uh, the chances are, A, I'm now going to probably just draw another answer to whatever you drew into. 
So I don't know. I like the idea that be- this is the only counter spell where I don't feel like I lose – one of the few where I don't feel like I lose cards. I mean, it because, is that is true. Like by definition, it is one of the only counter right. spells, especially cheap ones. There's expensive exactly. ones, but it is one of the only cheap counter spells where you don't end up down a card. So, and, and what, I think and what's like the hardest thing in Commander, you you've got four players. You can't be. And what? Why don't I like you know Force of Will? Because you can't be going down cards in a multiplayer game. Okay, I can, I, I can, I can get behind C being too low of a grade. I can, I can bump it up to a B. I can bump it up to a B. I'll go, I'll go that far. And Tomer's argument does make, like, the math on that argument does make sense to me. So I can see, I can definitely see what you're saying there. I still don't like that you end up benefiting your, the person you're countering, though. Like, even though you got two other opponents in the mix that like makes the math better, it still is awkward to me that you would. Uh, give someone an extra card for the joy of countering their spell. I I, I actually like it because uh, Commander, whether we like it or not, uh, for me, it hurts me more often than not. It's a game of politics more often than not. It's less about the power of each individual deck and more of how you can navigate uh, a pod. And Arcane Denial kind of removes the feel bad. Well, it, it keeps a little bit of the feel bad of the counter magic, but I think it takes a, a lot of the sting away from like oh why are you targeting me you're selecting me and and removing my spell but this one this one is like you got two cards so it does take out the sting i noticed people react to a little of it they're yeah they're they're uh, they're a little bit more new the the reaction i noticed when i cast arcane denial is much more neutral uh yeah as opposed to i I, I never see anybody like upset they're just like ah dang it yeah dang it i wanted that spell to resolve at least i got two cards so I, I do like it. I like that it's 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 non-conditional. It gets any spell, so you can't hit uh, creatures or whatever. Um, it's two mana, so like it's more than more than one. It's also one in a blue, not yeah, two one in a blue. So it's easily like splashable too. It's not double blue like counter spell, so it's easily splashable. I used to it used to be like my favorite budget uh, budget counter magic ever, but now I notice like it's been printed like a bi- billion times, and the cheapest copy is four bucks. So it's like it's people like it in casual. People really like it in casual, which is making my job a little bit harder. I run it a little bit less now in budget brews, but it's I like it. It's it's one I, of my favorites. I think as far as actual just like EDH rec. It's one of the most played counter spells. Like, I think it's actually number three, which budget is probably part of it because counters, literal counter spells number one. And that's like third cheap and like uh, whatever yeah. classic. But, but uh, yeah, it actually is one of the most popular ones. And I will testify to what you're saying is true. Like, it doesn't hurt too much to be countered by this. Although, I think that would also be an argument that maybe it's not that good. Like, if you're countering someone's thing and they're like, hooray, are you actually, uh, like, disrupting them? Or are you, like, group-hugging them <laughs> to I death? I it's but, more like... psychological. <laughs> like, if, if, okay. you're, if, if I'm countering your best thing, you get to draw two cards, but I really don't care about the two random cards over the, the thing that I actually wanted to remove. You know, like, I think counter spells, like, you don't want to fire them off blind. You there are They are, like, your lifesavers in your deck, and you want to use it only if you are forced to like your opponent is going to get an insurmountable advantage or you're going to lose an insurmountable advantage um and so like i don't care about you drawing up random cards like two cards nothing if you drew like 20 cards or something i'm like yeah okay because you're only spending it on something that's worth more than those cards anyway basically like you're not gonna fire it off on a medium target yeah that makes a threat to me like if you're threatening somebody else on the table i don't i don't care 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't well, like let's let's move on to number two on our list, and uh, my most hated card on the list because it shouldn't okay. exist, and it's a horrible so. card, but it is very powerful, and it is one of the best counters, and it is Fierce Guardianship, the Commander 2020 free spell, three mana instant, except it's free if you have your Commander, counter, target, non-creature spell, this one's ranked really highly across the board, uh, S and S from Tomer and Krim, I gave it a day, which is probably mostly my biases of just like hating this card because it's such a force staple for commander that was like designed to be really good in commander literally a literally a force staple um but it is undoubtedly very very powerful like uh it is one of the best ways to protect your commander it does a lot of what force negation does everything that force negation does and more assuming you have your commander on the battlefield uh plus it's only three mana to cast which again isn't a great rate but not a not a force of will rate of just like oh my god this is unreasonable i'm never gonna hard cast this so my question for you for this one is what deck would you not play this in like is it like mono color to five color is is there any deck that uh, discounting budget because it is ridiculously expensive at this point but assuming budget's not a concern is there any reason to not play this card in literally every single deck there's like no. i could name a outside handful. of budget outside of budget right right discounting budget why would you Hear Why me would out. you not play this? Hear me out. Or okay. Nine Ooh, mana yeah, commander. Yeah, that's expensive. That is expensive. very hard to pass. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I will count. Like, if if we have a 10-turn game, I will have Ur Dragon out for one turn probably. And he's usually going to either win me the game, the turn I cast him, or he's going to get blown up. And then I just continue using the eminence or like but then, I, uh, yeah eminence yeah, makes yeah. it so you don't want the commander out so it's actually yeah. okay so and it's actively bad to yeah. like lose oh, your eminence that's like oh, the oh, only okay. commander i know Counter- that like i don't i want to cast my commander so <laughs> counterpoint though like you want to make it to combat with the ur dragon so you can get a trigger true. and like draw a bunch of cards and this is like my nine mana commander, I can cast it and still have this free protection spell up to make sure I make it to combat True. if someone has a swords or something. So even in that context, like I can see your argument, but I don't think it's like horrible in a Ur Dragon deck, even. Yeah. You would have to if you have a deck that you rarely have your commander ever like you could go through games without having your commander on the battlefield, then don't run fierce guardianship, I guess. Uh but if you ever cast your commander in the format called Commander, which is like 99.9999% of decks, this card is just busted. Oh, by the way, it's the same. We got the same ranking as number one and number two. So this is like shares the title of number one. Oh, yeah. In, co, in, co number one on our list, technically. This, well, yeah. Tomer, now you mention it. What, it. what is number one on our list? Uh, it's it's your, your boy, Mana Drain. Uh, this used to be a drawback back in the day when it was first printed. So it's not like it was. Uh, made to to be a, a format also or anything there was something called mana burn and this could get you uh two in blue instant counter target spell at the beginning of your next fit main phase add an amount of colorless equal to that spell's mana value so if you counter uh, a five mana value spell on your next main phase the beginning of your next main phase you get five colorless mana to spend with so this is a counterspell plus plus. It's a counterspell that also ramps you. Uh, it's uh, uh, non, non-selective non or anything. Or sorry, it's unconditional. So you can counter literally anything. Uh, it's double blue. 
and then it ramps you. Uh, it's the only it's the only counter spell that we ha- we talked about here. There's a couple others that ramp you, but this is easily the best of the best uh, in terms of, of ramping you out, and it, it doubles as that. Like you could, this is the only counter spell that I would be like, yeah, I'm going to just fire it off at the next five mana spell if I really want to have an explosive turn. The other ones, no, and the other ones, I will I will hold on to dear life, uh, and you have to pry it out of my cold dead hands. Well, my my hot alive hands actually, because I'm going to use it to to save myself from certain doom. This one, I'll just be like, "Oh, you cast your Ur Dragon, blah 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 blah, nine mana next turn." Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> um, so yeah, this card is is gas. I I actually ranked it lower though. Uh, so I gave it an A. Uh, Seth and Krim gave it S's. So this is um, this is just switched around. Instead of me giving an S, uh, uh, Seth gave it an S. And I think it's a little bit worse than Fierce Guardianship because it's this double blow. Uh, you have to keep two mana up, which is more than zero. So that's that's a big thing. I value uh, countering instant sorcerers over everything. So Fierce Guardianship ticked that box for me. And while the ramp is really nice, I don't know. It's double blue. Like, can you even run this in like a four color deck, a five color deck? Would you, Seth? Oh, yeah. I uh, This yeah? is the... A lot of decks I play, like four and five color decks, I play a single counter. And that single counter, assuming it's not a budget week or something, is it, it's Mana Drain. Like, Mana Drain is counter spell, but it's like counter spell, roll a d20. If you roll like a 15 or higher, you like win the game. Like, it's got this like ridiculous ceiling where sometimes you just counter this expensive spell and that mana lets you do this huge thing and you just win the game because you cast a, a literal counter spell with this huge upside. So for me, that the ceiling is so high and the floor, like, I had actual OG counter spells of B. Like, I don't think actual OG counter spells horrible, like a horrible card. Like, it's there's a ton of other options now, so it's not on our top ten list. But its floor is like a a passable card, and then its ceiling is one of the most busted cards that has ever been printed, like in the history of the game. So for me, I I jam it in. It's my one counter spell in every deck possible. But what about you, Krim? Where where are you at? Do you not run this in any decks? Discounting budget again? The, uh, we're talking about mana drain. Yeah. Are there any decks it doesn't make? <laughs> I don't even know what deck I wouldn't play. Yeah, is it, would you run five color decks? Like, it's like full like, send no matter like, what. Yeah, of course. This oh, is S. Dang, dude. All right. I, I, I the, it's, it's not even a counter spell. It shouldn't even be on the list. It's a ramp spell. <laughs> okay, but it doubles. I mean, okay, it's, it's amazing. This is such a for like the ability to trade two mana for potentially six is unbelievable. Right, like this. This is one like like that game where I countered a spell on turn two just to counter it. Right on turn to uh, someone's three drop. I think it was actually your three drop. I don't remember. And then and then I just went right into Scarab God. Right, like like that was so good. And so like yeah, like the ability to just counter at any point if you counter early. You're now, like, you counter a three drop, you're at the five drop spot, right? You counter in the late game, next turn you've got some big spells you can play. And, yeah, this is just the spell. This is the counter spell. And, thankfully, now that it's been reprinted a ton, it's cheaper. It's still expensive, but it's cheaper than where it was. <laughs> yeah, the I'm, cheapest option is $37. That's... I, I, I'm holding out hope that Commander Masters, that we get both, actually both of our top two seem like really obvious choices, so I'm hoping that maybe this summer we'll we'll get cheaper mana drains and guardian, uh, fierce guardianships at least for a little bit, so. Proxying anyway, that's that's our top ten list, so uh, I'm curious, if you're watching this someplace where there's comments, 
Let us know what uh, you disagree with, agree with. I'm I'm curious what y'all think. Mm-hmm. But before we wrap things up today, we want to share. Oh, sorry. Do you have something else, Tomer? Before we go no, to our, uh, our honorable mentions, yeah, okay. yeah, honorable mentions time. Yeah, but before we wrap things up, we wanna we wanna share a couple of our favorite counter spells. These ones didn't make our top ten list, uh, but they're ones that we personally like for some reason. So, uh, Tomer, why don't you kick us off with your uh, first honorable mention? All right. Um, so this is a card that is relatively recent. I have to double check the year it came out. It was two years ago. Uh, and there's very little chatter about it, but it's decisive denial. It's a green and a blue, so it's a Simic card, uh, and it has it's a modal counterspell. You choose one: either target creature you control fights target creature you don't control, or counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays three. So, like I said, I highly value my counter magic primarily to stop. Instants and sorceries, and I'll use permanence to, or uh, and I'll use like other spells to get rid of permanence to fill in the gaps. And this does both for two mana. Um, so it either will stop an instant or sorcery, or basically any non-creature spell. So it, even artifacts, enchantments, planeswalkers, it can hit all those things too. And then guess what? It also can actually deal with the creatures, which is the one thing it can't counter. If you are a creature-heavy deck in Simic, and since you're in green, I'm going to just assume you are a creature-heavy deck. Like anything with like a, like four power creatures or greater, uh, you can snipe um, your opponent's best creatures as well, like threatening creatures. So it, it's either creature removal or non-creature counter, which I value the second mode more than the first mode, obviously. But having both modes is just awesome i think this card is heavily slept on and it's 14 cents 14 <laughs> cents what's going on am i crazy this, no this is it's actually hilarious because i was looking at our honorable mentions list and Krim, you almost picked the the exact same card but in different colors like your, your first honorable mention is like very similar right yes uh but drown in the lock so i chose drown lock because i can actually just kill it right like I, like it is I know that fighting, you do have the best creatures, but it does kind of require you to have the creature and also have it be stronger than whatever you're trying to remove. This one, I just straight up can remove it right then and there as long as you have the cards in your yard yes. and sort of body in mind. Oh, my pretty God. Pretty much makes oh that. We need a counter like days boo. without mentioning sort of body yeah. in mind. Yeah. Like, I'm just and saying, it's perpetually though. at zero. <laughs> Drown in the Lock is... is well, read the card. Read the card. Uh, Drown in Lock, yeah. Drown in Lock is I can either A, counter target spell, uh, 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 as long as its mana value is equal to the number of cards, or equal to or le- le- less than uh, the number of cards in that player's graveyard. And then it has a second mode. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the removal side where you can destroy a creature where its mana value is equal to or less than the number of cards in their graveyard. So, I it's the most demiri way to go about it, and I absolutely love it. It's it's a hard counter. It's versatile. It can be a counter spell. It can be removal. So much like why Tomer likes decisive denial, but that's in Simic, and and we just like yeah, like it's I I like that I can hard counter you as opposed to have to pay three. I like I like that I can just straight up kill your thing. And not need creatures for it, assuming that your car, your yard is loaded up. 
I mean, I, I, I guess I'll share my first honorable mention, too, because it kind of fits the, the same motif, but it's uh, way more expensive, and that's a <laughs> Sublime Epiphany. Sublime Epiphany, it, it's six mana, so it's a ridiculous amount of mana. But you get to choose one or more of Counter a Spell, Counter an Activated or Triggered Ability, Bounce a Non-Land Permanent, Create a Token that's a copy of Target Creature you control or Target Player draws a card. So it's a, a very, very expensive effect, but it's if you can resolve it, it's very powerful. It's like a three or four for one where you're copying the best creature on the battlefield. You're able to bounce something, you're drawing cards, you're countering something. So I think the TLDR of this is we all like counters that do additional things like counters that are just counters are great but counters that can also kill a creature or like copy something uh, they go way way up in value because as great as counters are in the ability to stop anything on the stack is one of the most powerful things you can do in a game of magic there's also times when a counter spell like isn't doing much and kind of stuck in your hand and someone you're tapped out and they slip a big threat through and your counter spell is not going to do anything to stop that threat from attacking you but if you have a decisive denial or if you have a drown in the lock or you have a million mana and sublime epiphany these are counters that can actually get you out of those situations so i think these are actually like all really good picks i think they all have downsides sublime epiphany it's six mana that's going to keep it off of our top 10 list probably drown in the lock you do got to be playing sort of body and mind to have it really be fully powered like cards will naturally go in the graveyard so you can stop like cheap stuff naturally from fetch lands and stuff dying and then decisive denial it is a counter that is a mana leak essentially right it's counter it unless they pay three so there's going to be times in the late game where maybe similar to spell pierce like you really want to stop the wrath but your opponent's got 10 mana and they can just pay for it so there's downsides to all of them but i think all these cards are are, are deserving of more play probably i think they're all like really solid options and if you're building your deck and you can sneak in counter spells that do more than just counter a spell you're gonna get a lot of power out of those especially if they're they're relatively inexpensive like drown on the lock and decisive denial tom yeah. are you uh flexible is key yeah do you do you have any more uh sleeper picks favorites okay so we already talked about this one but an offer you cannot refuse was was my second pick but then we we kind of uh talked about it during swan song so i have another one uh this card i don't play that much uh because i was running low on all our <laughs> counter spells that i actually run uh but it is kind of sweet in mono blue decks i think this is art mage's charm it's triple blue so three blue pips uh for another modal spell uh we love our modals uh, counter target spell, target player draws two cards, or gain control of target non-land permanent with mana value one or less. Now, I don't actually run this card that much, uh, but if I am in mono blue and I do want more counter magic, then this is the one that I generally go for. Three mana to counter target spell, not a good rate. Three mana to draw two cards, eh. But uh, then the final one seems like kind of useless, but keep in mind the most played card in Commander is Soul Ring. So it's three mana, just instant speed, yep. steal somebody's Soul Ring, put it onto your side of the battlefield. Putting all three of these together makes it much better, like the, the sum is greater than the parts or whatever. You know, you know the thing. Um, and I think this is a worthy, worthy inclusion in blue heavy, uh, Drago style decks. Where, like, yeah, sometimes you want to have the counter spell, but sometimes you're low on cards, so you want to draw some cards. And then sometimes somebody plays an early slaughtering and you're like, yoink. So the fact that it's good early, middle, and late game is what really, really sets it apart, I think. 
Archmage Charm is really good. The only drawback is triple blue. Like you said, you kind of got to be mono blue to cast it consistently. That's the one big drawback. I think the other big upside to this that you didn't really touch on is... We've seen some Commander Clash games where Krim, like, you know, he's got the counter up, and it goes all the way around the table, and it gets to the person before his turn, and it's like, well, I might as well counter something because I left all my mana up. Archmage's Charm, worst case, you do that, you draw a couple cards, or you snag someone's Soul Ring. Like, the cost of counter spells is leaving mana up, with the risk being that maybe there's nothing you end up needing to counter, and if you don't spend that counter spell, you kind of just wasted that mana. That's a, a tempo loss, and efficiency loss. That never has to happen with Archmage's Charm, because worst case, it's an instant speed divination, so if it goes all the way around the table and there's nothing to counter, well, just draw a couple cards with it. So I think if this was easier to cast, I think it I think it might make the top 10 list. Like, honestly, like the big issue is it's just like, yeah, you gotta be mono blue. What do you think about this one, Grim? I love the card. I mean, I, that's one of the things I love that card. I think it's extremely powerful because of like, it's able to steal so many mana rocks and, and, or I mean, not mana rocks, but like soul rings and like, you know, things like that. Mana dorks. Yeah. yeah, Mana dorks or, or even like whatever the ascendant. Oh, Esper Sentinel, Sarah Sentinel, which is very cute. Yeah, like if you were like in like, an artifact deck and you have mm-hmm. the triple blue, like well, some of these are pretty big. That theft effect is huge, and yeah, like I love it just for those exact reasons that you had mentioned. Seth, I, you can just at the end of the turn, I can just draw two if I don't have to do anything. So it's a good card. Just problem is it's triple blue, hard to cast. Yeah. Well, what do you got for your last honorable mention, Krim? Well, so. On Commander Clash, I don't get to play them a lot because we usually have themes or something to it. But in paper, I play Urtai Resurrected a decent amount. Um, it's two blue-black, and it's a 3-2 with Flash. And then uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get to either A, counter a spell or ability the opponent that or the owner of that spell or ability draws a card. And then uh, you also have the second mode, which is destroy target creature or planeswalker, its controller draws a card. So this is a four mana, three, two flash body. So along the lines of what Venser is doing, but the difference here is that this can now, this will kill anything, not bounce. It kills anything. Or of course it counters anything. It stifles. It kind of does a little bit of everything and it gives you a body on top of that. Now, more often than not, I'm able to like, you know, Drawing a card with this, not that hard if you play, like, Narsets, Notion Thieves, and things like that, right? Because then it's, like, either A, they don't draw it, or uh, then on top of that, there's also the fact that, let's just say, without the assist of those other cards. I'm okay with you drawing that card. Uh, you you know I like Arcane Denial, so you know I'm okay with you drawing your card if it means that I stop what I perceive as a threat to my game plan. So, yeah, like, I... I love this. I think this card does everything, and it gives me a body, which is relevant when you can flicker it. Uh, I think a while back we did a a, um, um, a budget theme deck, and he was my commander, and I was playing ghostly flickers, and yeah, I was God. just bouncing oh, flickering. <laughs> yeah, where's so like, a like, where's a sort of body in mind pretty well? Yo, just saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's the one card that I think. Is it good in this deck? Because you're flickering your stuff all the time. So maybe maybe that's why we don't want that. But legitimately, I just think that this is a powerful card. And because it's on a body that makes it actually better than you would think. Example, gets around swan songs and, and, and negates and things like that, right? Dovin's vetoes. 
Uh, so, like, yeah, it actually is pretty huge because of that. And it's so flexible. And it's so flexible. Like, counter anything, yeah. stifle anything, or kill anything. Like, that's a lot of text for four mana with Flash. So, yeah, I think... Right. I think it's pretty good, especially if you're a Arcane Denial believer where the card isn't something that intimidates you. Like, it's just a really flexible spell, and there is that huge upside of having a body that you can blink and flicker it. Did you win the Commander Clash game, or did you really annoy people and then they killed you? I, don't I imagine it went rem- one of those two, way- two ways, I would assume. I don't remember, <laughs> I actually. I think, don't I think remember. you annoyed, yeah. annoyed the table too much. <laughs> I, I think you... I think Tomer... I, I think Tomer ended up winning because you didn't you like hit me for like a thousand or something out of nowhere, Seth. And oh, then I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not. I'm if you, mm. if you hit me for like forty, mm. I'm not going to use my luck. Oh, was that oh, game? Yeah, that was yeah, the whole week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, then you, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah that's right. There was. There was like some weird spite thing going on because I attacked you. That's right. I remember that yeah. now. Yeah. No, 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 you didn't attack me. You dealt like thirty six damage to me. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't. It wasn't like attack. a. Yeah, it was like a little haircut, a little off the top. I was a lot gonna, off the top. I was giving a little layup there. I was like, all right, yeah. I guess I'll win. Because yeah, I had Tomer just like locked because I had locked yes. your serpent. Ah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. exalting my stuff too. Jeez, that was a good game. Oh. All right, my my last honorable mention. Yeah, we, we couldn't go through this whole cast without mentioning this card. Mana Tithe. I love Mana Tithe. Like, it's come up a couple times throughout the cast. Like, being mono, uh, one mana, one white mana, counter target spell, unless its controller pays one. So, essentially, Jawari Disruption, but it's white, or also compares a little bit to Tibble Trickery with the surprise factor. Uh, I just love getting people with the card. It is my probably my favorite card in all of Magic to actually get someone with. No one expects a counter spell out of a mono white deck. It's also just like Droid Disruption, like the softest possible counter. So you have that whole thing like, oh, if I had paid one less mana for my, you know, Genesis wave, it would actually resolve. But no, I had to just be too greedy and put it all in there. So you get that psychological damage. And I actually think it's a pretty good card. I will say every time that I've played Mana Tithe, I've ended up being able to cast it and actually get value out of it. Like, it seems like the kind of card that gets stuck in your hand, but people tend to tap out quite a bit in a game of Commander, and no one's really not doing it because they're afraid of Mana Tithe, even though maybe they should be. So I actually think it's a lot better than you probably think it is. Like, it is a meme card to some extent because it's really funny, but at the same time, there's been a lot of games where you've countered an 8-mana spell with it, a 10-mana spell with it, and it actually does kind of, like, swing the game. I remember one, I think it was a Torment of Hailfire that Richard or someone tapped out for, and it was, like, a 14-mana spell, and then the mana tithe comes through for one mana and just, like, gets it by surprise. So I put it on all my white decks. Uh, again, if you're in blue, it loses a lot of value because people play around counters when they see blue mana open. But if you're mono white and don't have any blue mana, I actually, like, unironically think it's a pretty good card, and it's a hilarious card to get people with. I think this is your signature card, but I... So I, I was definitely, I, I also jammed Mana Tithe a lot back in the day. And back in the day is like a couple of years ago. I think my, the, the one thing that has been sh- like pushed it out of basically all my white decks is how good white is now at protecting their board. So we got Teferi's Protection. We got Clever Concealment. We got Flawless Maneuver, uh, Guardian Knight or whatever, the, the one that phases out. Like when I when I want counter magic in white, it's primarily again just broken record, but it's like instant sorceries that are gonna like wipe my board and stuff. And those 
end up being just more efficient than mana. Tyler is at least more uh, consistent. So I actually replaced mana tithe with those cards over time. And I don't know if that's like the same with you, Seth, or you still you still run you still run it. So I think you're correct in that optimally I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh I just I love manatize so much and I just love the feeling of countering someone with manatize so yeah. much that I still played in all my white decks. And I will say I played a little different than most counter spells. We talked a bunch of times through the cast about like Savior King Denial for the game winning spell. Savior counter for the game winning spell. When I play Manatize, I am looking for any opportunity to spell that's like four plus mana, I don't really oh, okay. care what it is. I'm just going to fire it off if I know it's going to work and just kind of like laugh in your face and be like, ah, I gotcha. So, so that's, yeah, that's, that's my mana tie technique. So optimally you're 100% right. I probably should cut it, but I just, why I love that you, feeling too much to do that. With. Yeah. Well, I probably mind. should play the, yeah, I probably should play that one more honestly, but if yeah. you try to do a gotcha, nothing feels more like <laughs> a gotcha. Than Hypothetical. Than Let's say you go first. You play lands and planes or whatever, and pass a turn, and then I go land soul ring. Are you gonna fire oh. off the mana tide? Ooh. I would actually stop a soul ring. If it was turn yeah. two and it was like your Ramping arcane growth? signet, I probably wouldn't. But yeah. the soul ring is too turn good to, to pass yeah. up. Yeah, I think you'd be the hero at the table if you if you <laughs> yes. monetize the turn one soul ring. I think I, people would give you a grace period. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think they probably would. Hopefully, but anyway, that's our top ten counter spells and our favorite spell counter spells all wrapped into one podcast. So, uh, like we said before, let us know what's your favorite counter. What do you think of the top ten list? Let us know in the comments. Thank you all for watching. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the cast this weekend. Uh, Richard will be back next week. We got a pretty fun topic we're working on, so make sure to come back for that one and like and subscribe and do all that good stuff. Uh, check out Card Conduit if you need to sell some cards. So, thank. Thanks for watching, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And this is a crew signing out.